Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus Stories podcast. This is George Taylor, your storyteller, and we are reviewing the life of Jesus and then talking about the implications of what those events might mean in our lives in these stories. So last week, we talked about the birth stories of both John the Baptist and Jesus. This week, we'll continue in the stories of the early life of Jesus. We're going to pick up on John the Baptist later when he's grown. These stories will involve people who want to meet this young man, Jesus. However, one of them is not a particularly nice guy. In fact, he's downright evil. We will start in just a moment. These Jesus stories come to you because of your support for this podcast, your prayer support, your word of mouth, and social media sharing support, and your financial support. Thank you for all the ways you spread the word and help to keep this podcast alive. So I'm asking you, my faithful listeners, you who are able to step up to the table, pray for guidance about whether or not you should support this effort to spread the stories of Jesus. Once you understand what you should or can do, go visit JesusStories.info, click on the Support This Podcast tab. You'll find a method that will allow you to make a one-time donation, as well as a method to sign up for a small amount of monthly support. Every dollar will count, and it will go to the effort to keep these stories coming to you. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast player. It's one of the ways that the word is spread to others about these stories. And don't forget to talk about the podcast with your friends, family, your acquaintances. You'll find that this is a really an easy discussion, even with strangers. I've done it. Just try it. You'll find more on the website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Sharing This Podcast tab. Forty days after the birth of Jesus, his parents came to the temple for the rite of purification. This is the rite required of Jewish women after childbirth. An offering is brought to the priest, usually a lamb, unless the couple is poor. In the case of Joseph and Mary, they brought, because of their poverty, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The child is brought as well to be dedicated to the Lord as the firstborn, again, a requirement of the law. While at the temple, the young family meets two people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was considered to be a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. He had been told by God that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah with his own eyes. The Spirit of God sent Simeon to the temple courts where he found Jesus with his parents. As happened last week, this resulted in Simeon praising God with another Christmas carol. Here's the song. 
Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. This amazed Mary and Joseph. Simeon blesses them and leaves Mary with these sobering words. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul." such cryptic words, but, as we will see, very true words. In addition to Simeon, Mary and Joseph run into Anna. She was almost a resident of the temple. She had been married but lost her husband many years ago. Now, at age 84, she worships at the temple day and night. As Simeon is speaking or singing his praise to God, Anna comes up with her own praise for the Lord. Then she spoke to everyone about this child, this rescue for the people of Israel. The scene shifts not only to a different place, but to a short time later. We are anywhere from a few months to a couple of years after the birth of Jesus. We find Mary and Joseph still in Bethlehem with their child, and they're living in a home. Wise men, magi, arrive in Jerusalem from the east, looking for Jesus. They announce that they saw his star as it rose, and they have come to worship him. Not much is known of these men. Being called wise men or magi from eastern lands, we can surmise that they are not Jewish. They are probably scholars or astrologers who have studied the heavens, and they have heard the prophecies about the king of the Jews from Jews who have been dispersed through their lands. When God plants a star in the sky, they see it an act to find this king. Tradition and our Christmas carols number these men at three. However, we really don't know how many there were. As we will see, there are three gifts lending to this possibility. What are we to make of the star these men followed? There's been lots of speculation about this astrological phenomenon, The most convincing writing I've seen suggests that this may have been a comet streaking through the sky. Whether it is a comet or a star which shone particularly brightly at this time doesn't matter. This was the navigation tool for this caravan. God could do as he wishes with his heavens to bring about his purposes. And for now, his purpose is for these men to find Jesus. We'll see why in a moment. Word of the Magi's presence reaches King Herod, the King Herod who has been proclaimed to be the King of the Jews by Caesar. With the Magi looking for the King of the Jews, Herod is disturbed, and the Bible tells us this disturbs the entire city of Jerusalem. Given Herod's propensity for violence, you can understand why the city would also be apprehensive. Herod calls the Jewish scholars, the chief priests, and the scholars of the law to find out where the Messiah was to be born. 
I don't imagine these scholars had to think very long about this question. After all, they were leading an oppressed people who were longing for their Savior. So they quote the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem and the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. After getting his answer, Herod calls for the wise men. He learns about the star and tells the Magi, Go on to Bethlehem and find out where this child is staying. Then come back and tell me so that I can worship him as well. As we'll see, this is not really Herod's intention. The wise men leave Herod and follow the star to Bethlehem, right to the house of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. They worshipped the child and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were expensive gifts, which would come in handy shortly. The Magi return home without going to see Herod again. They were warned in a dream not to go home the same way. The wise men, the Magi, have left Bethlehem to journey back home. God wastes no time. He warns Joseph in a dream to take his family and leave the area. Herod is on the rampage. He will be searching for the child. Joseph acts. That night, he and his family leave for Egypt. Why Egypt? This is an area that is close by Israel and populated by other Jews. Furthermore, this fulfills a prophecy from Hosea, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod realizes that he has been outwitted by the Magi, and he is furious. He sends his soldiers to kill all the babies to and under in and around Bethlehem. Some folks think of this as a great massacre with hundreds of babies dead. It was probably a smaller number. Bethlehem was, after all, just a small village. But any such atrocity is horrible, and it triggers Matthew to remind us that it is reminiscent of a prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, for refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Ramah was an old name for the area now called Bethlehem. Rachel, Isaac's second wife, died in that area of Israel during the birth of her son Benjamin. Up until now, Bethlehem was known for death. Now, because of this baby Jesus, even in today's 21st century world, it is known for life. Herod, of course, never finds the child he is really looking to destroy. And in time, 4 BC to be exact, Herod dies. One of his sons, Archelaus, is placed over Judea. He turns out to be as cruel as his father. With the death of Herod, God tells Joseph to move his family back to Israel. Joseph does just that. But upon hearing that Archelaus is over Judea, with God's direction, Joseph detours to Galilee, to the town of Nazareth. Again, Matthew reminds us that these events fulfill multiple prophecies stating that, quote, he will be called a Nazarene, end quote. Let's stop for a moment and look at one aspect of the story we're examining. Several times in today's episode, I've stated that this was a fulfillment of prophecy, or fulfilling several prophecies. 
These statements come from the pen of Matthew, the first of the Gospels. Matthew is a Jewish writer working to convince a Jewish audience of the authenticity of the life of Jesus. His main tool is to look back to the prophecies about Jesus, prophecies that most Jews would have known, maybe have memorized, to show that the events he is describing match with those prophecies. He continues this throughout his gospel. It's like saying, look, you've been looking for this Messiah for your whole life. Now it's happened. He's come. Compare the life of Jesus with these prophecies. See for yourself. The story of Jesus as a baby closes with this statement from Luke. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That's all we know of Jesus as a boy from scriptures. He grew in wisdom, or knowledge, and stature, physically. He grew in his favor with God, who isn't proud of their son, and all the people. Jesus grew up in the small town of Nazareth, probably population less than a thousand, and was known and regarded highly by the people there. But the most important thing we learn is that he was highly regarded by God. That plays a role in the final story for today. One of the Jewish customs, actually a command, was to visit Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. This was a yearly ritual celebrating the important event which freed the people of Israel from the slavery of Egypt hundreds of years before. God had commanded that this celebration be kept so that the people would always remember his deliverance for them in their time of need. A family would travel to and from Jerusalem, perhaps caravanning with the whole village. You can imagine how the kids would enjoy such a trip. They would all play together, perhaps congregate with one family or another. A parent might not know exactly where their child might be every moment. They could assume that he or she would be with another family or with the other parent. It's just such a circumstance that creates our next story. Jesus is 12 years old. He and the family have gone to Jerusalem for the Passover. As they are traveling back home, after a day, Joseph and Mary realize they have lost Jesus. Ever lost a child? It's horrifying. They begin looking for them among relatives and friends. Not finding him, they turn back to Jerusalem to look for him there. After three days, they find him. Guess where he is? He's in the temple courts. He's talking, mind you, a 12-year-old, with the teachers, listening and asking questions. Those who heard him were amazed by what Jesus knew and understood. Mary and Joseph are astonished. Mary scolds him, as a mother would do. Why have you scared us to death? We've been frantically looking for you. Jesus responds. Listen to this response. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Joseph and Mary didn't really understand. Jesus went home with them, and the scriptures say was obedient to them. As a mother would, Mary remembered and treasured these things in her heart. Then the scriptures conclude with the statement we've seen before. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people.
That's all we know of Jesus the boy. The Bible doesn't tell us any more. We know that Jesus had siblings. We can surmise that he learned his father's trade of carpentry. He may have even run the business. Joseph is not mentioned again in Scripture, leading to the belief that he may have died when Jesus was a young man. And what about Jesus the man? Well, that's coming up in a future story. I thank you for taking the time to listen to us and to support us, and we appreciate that support, both in prayers and in money. If you'd like to join us or catch more of these podcasts, find all the information on our website. It's JesusStories.info. That's JesusStories.info. Next week, we'll take a deeper look at these events. Join us then to understand some more. We'll talk then. God bless. So